This is Women's Tech Radio, Episode 7. A show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network interviewing interesting women in technology, exploring their roles and how they're successful in technology careers. Today, I would like to ask you, what is your favorite snack to have at the computer? Oh, that's such a loaded question. Because there's like the healthy snack and there's like the guilty snack. Mm-hmm. And my healthy snack is totally like a nice bowl of carrots, maybe some raw broccoli, you know, all mm-hmm. Tony Stark style. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my guilty snack is totally like either some nice dark chocolate or like a giant bowl full of dill pickles. <laughs> Mine is so horrible. Uh, when I worked at the medical supply company, I would always have a container of frosting in my drawer (laughs) and my boss gave me such crap and then told his wife and then she came in and gave me crap so uh, that is not the case anymore but uh, it's typically a finger food and a Mountain Dew for sure for me I'm totally guilty of frosting can and spoon Oh, yeah? Yeah, you're not alone. Okay, good. (laughs) So today we're interviewing Kaylin Gibaltera, and she's a developer at Capital One and also a director for Women Who Code in D.C. Before we get into the interview, I'd like to talk about DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in less than a minute. Paige... Is that how long it took for you to get yours up? Yeah, my last uh, my last instance is up in 51 seconds. Wow. And that instance is just $5 a month for 512 megabytes of RAM, 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and one terabyte of transfer. DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. The interface has a simple intuitive control panel, which power users can replicate on a larger scale with the company's straightforward API. Scrolling down the screen right now is a list of all the tutorials that are available, and it turns out they will pay you 100 to $200 for technical tutorials. Potential writers can submit a writing sample to become a tutorial writer, and you can learn more about that program on the DigitalOcean website. And if you want to support Women's Tech Radio, you can use the code WTRDecember at checkout to get $10, which will get you two months of service. Today, we started by asking Kaylin about the GEMS Challenge. GEMS is this really awesome, I think it stands for Girls in Engineering, Math, and Science. Um, It's run by my friend Elizabeth Vandenberg, and she has been one of the coolest people that I've met since sort of getting involved in the women in tech space. She's been doing this sort of thing for, I want to say, over 20 years. She's really active in NCWIT, um, but what she does is takes different girls um, from high schools and they do all sorts of really awesome activities together. I know they've gone to um, a place called Nova Labs, which is a maker space, and done like laser cutting, things like that. And she basically takes them all around the city to do different sorts of engineering. Um, it's one of the coolest organizations I've seen. So I always love to talk about what they do. That's really cool. Um, so you find it super valuable to be involved with the women in tech space? Yeah, it's something that um, in college, I never really thought about, like, I should do women in tech things. It just never occurred to me. Maybe part of that was because there were no other women, so it just, like, <laughs> didn't seem like a thing. Um, but when I was started working, I kind of was looking for a place to do coding outside of work, like a place to go ask questions and not be afraid of it being, like, dumb or something. Right. Um, And I had chopped around for a bit, like gone to some meetups. And a lot of the meetups that I went to for women specifically tended to be more oriented towards like social media or product or design, um, which as a developer, I was like, well, okay, that's not ideal. And then when I would go to a technical meetup for like general people, it would always be all guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, which was 
generally fine um, until like you get like asked out or something or like everybody else is <laughs> <while> there. <laughs> but so um, eventually though I did find like women in tech groups and I realized like oh this is awesome because it's sort of the best of both worlds. You can hang out with them and ask your questions that you might be afraid to ask normally um, but then go to larger events like conferences with everybody and kind of meet people throughout the space. So I've, I've loved it. So what are some of the websites that you've used or, or groups that you've joined? Women Who Code is definitely the biggest. Um, when I was searching, I actually sent a message out to the Women Who Code organizers in San Francisco. And I was just like, hey, when's this coming to DC? And essentially the response was like, once you start it. <laughs> <And, laughs> nice. I did the same thing in Portland. Like, yep. <laughs> um, maybe a month later or so, a couple of us started with the kickoff. Um, so that's obviously my largest group. Um, but I've been to events for, there's Hear Me Code, um, and their organizers started just like doing Python classes in her apartment. And it's now, I think, 700 people wow. um, from the past year. And wow. I, super awesome. Um, and going to like, like there's Girl Develop It in DC. So there's just a lot to go to and like meeting all of the different organizations has been a lot of fun and like seeing what they do is really great. Very cool. So, so do you have a more traditional background? Like you went through, it sounded like you went through college and actually got a comp sci degree. Yes. Yeah. I actually, um, have been coding since high school. So it's funny cause when I tell that to people in women who code, I feel like people assume I have like this vast knowledge. And then I'm here like, oh, I don't know anything. <laughs> um, but I did start coding um, in high school. I was in a lot of engineering classes. Like I always liked math. And one of my friends was like, hey, let's take this Microsoft Office class. Um, and she's like, it's an easy A. It was our junior year. So I said, sure. Uh, I ended up being Visual Basic, which has is nothing like Microsoft Office. <laughs> and we both sat there. We were like, what is this? Like, what is code? Um, so we both for that easy yeah, <laughs> we were like, oh, there's something else here. Um, but that was my intro, and I actually had a female teacher there, and Great. I think that awesome. has helped me a ton. Um, and that probably plays into where I love like gems and anything related to teaching girls to code, because I know I wouldn't have thought about going into coding if I hadn't taken it in high school, and I also would have never stuck with it. Um, right. so there are definitely points in college where I wanted, like, really seriously thought about quitting. Um, but I would often go back to like, well, I really liked it in high school, so I'll keep trying and see if it gets better later. Mm -hmm. um, Best mistake ever. I think you mentioned too, like there weren't very many women in your program. Yeah, I think, um, I remember in our graduating, we were in the front like four or five rows um, during graduation. I went to Penn State, uh, you know, it's a great school, but definitely not the most diverse um, for computer science. And I think we like pinpointed the five girls in our like graduating class of 200. And we were like, let's take wow. a picture. <laughs> there <laughs> might have been other girls. Um, they either, I don't know, didn't show up or we just missed them, but yeah. we were definitely like pointing each other out. <laughs> yeah, I think the national average is under 4%. So what did you do after college? Like you got the kind of the traditional degree and then where did you go? Yeah, so I actually, um, in college, I had internships. So I did a fifth year. <laughs> I studied computer science and then stuck around for two more minors in psychology and engineering leadership because I was like, I want to learn more. Um, and so I did three internships in defensive contracting. So I was working on um, radios and sensors and night vision goggles. Oh, and cool. then my last internship, I was like, I'm going to try something totally different and did web development. 
which is fun, but not totally my thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I really liked, I, I think I've always just been attracted to industries that like are slow to change because I feel like it's this really interesting challenge to try and like get them to move along. Um, so I really like defensive contracting, but it was a little bit slower than I wanted when I was graduating. So instead I went into banking and I was thinking that's probably the slowest public sector or private sector group I could get involved with. And that's how I ended up here. I liked it because to me, like finance represents everything around you essentially. Um, and it's so messed up. Like the fact that everybody's so afraid to talk about anything related to money, um, myself included, and like a lot of it, my friends and family is an interesting problem. So I like to think about that throughout the day and try to think about technologies or applications that could kind of help with that problem. I tend to find myself going, being attracted to wherever there are taboo topics. So I guess that relates to like women in technology, um, but also finance, things like that. I see here on your Twitter profile that you're a hackathon addict. Can you tell <laughs> us about that a little bit? That is, yes, that is an actual problem, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little part of my fifth year, um, my mom actually did get a job at Penn State, so I got a huge discount on tuition. So that was a little, it played a role. Um, but while I was taking my minors in psychology and engineering leadership, I was like, well, I'm not coding as much now. So I just spent the entire year, like it was right when hackathons were starting three years ago and I traveled all around the country. Like I would go to my professors and just be like, can you fund a flight for me to go to San Francisco? And they would just like find money in like some random class budget to send me. <laughs> Um, and that sort of, nice. that started a serious addiction. <laughs> um, so I started my real job here and like immediately once I started, I was like, well, I have to keep going to hackathons. And luckily like Capital One's been sending me to a ton. Maybe that's not the best thing because I haven't overcome this addiction, but um, <laughs> I feel I like there are most worse just... addictions to have. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not coming out of your pocket, right? If your company is sending you to it. Yes, it's awesome. That is great. <laughs> so great. What's your favorite yeah. aspect of a hackathon? So the negative parts of a hackathon is that you're not coming up with like the cleanest code and the best implementation all the time. Um, but to a certain extent, I love that because you don't have to spend so much time like thinking about test-driven development. I'm going to list a bunch of terrible practices right now. <laughs> um, and like fair programming and stuff, you just like sit there and build and iterate um, for like 24 to 48 hours. And that's like, I mean, that's just everything that I love about programming. What stack are you working in now professionally? Uh, mostly Java. I've been making, I did a Java web app last year um, and did a Java API now as well as some Python APIs. Um, I'm looking into Android is what I'm really excited about next. And I have, my college background was very heavy C and C++. So um, I've gotten excited about Arduinos and playing with those as well. So doing that, do you, do you practice TDD? Are you a pair programming? So uh, one of my like really good friends at work is just very like loves fair programming, loves test-driven development. Um, it is that thing that I always say I will do. Uh, I have done pair programming and if it's with somebody that I have been known for a while, I actually think it's awesome. I have a harder time when it's just like pair programming with random people. I always get freaked out. Test-driven development, I have very little experience with other than like, I'm going to do test-driven development for this example case. So I'll have to work on that um, and see where I can apply that more. But yeah, I, I found that it's it's uh, it's not super common. Yeah, but I'm I'm super interested to do some pair programming. It's one of the pieces that I'm one of the pieces I'm missing in my tech resume. Yeah, I think that um, 
For me, I like pair programming when you don't call it pair programming. I don't know what it is when you're like, I'm gonna sit here and pair with you that makes it feel really intimidating. But um, when I just sit with a friend and we're coding together and like looking at the same problem, I've, that's always been cool and fun. Um, but once I don't, something about the label makes it change for me. The formality of it changes it. Do you think? Do you think it taps into like especially like? And I'm gonna call it out, but like especially as women, we are totally prone to imposter syndrome like crazy. I think so. Um, I think that there is something with just engineering in general where um, the biggest skill set of an engineer is just like your intelligence, really, um, and that's what everybody kind of judges or tries to judge people on. We say we judge that. Um, whereas like in a business degree or advertising or something, if, even if you're not necessarily the most, like the smartest person in the room, you can be like, oh, I'm a great networker or I can communicate and like people can up those things. So I kind of think the imposter syndrome might be just in general more prevalent for engineers. But I, I do think, at least personally, I <laughs> totally suffer from it um, and get really freaked out by it. So can you tell us about the Iron Yard? Oh, Yeah. So I have been talking with them a little bit. They're one of, um, there's General Assembly, but they're one of the first boot camps that I've seen come to DC. And I am really interested in boot camps. Um, one, I'm just kind of interested in like, maybe I will do one at some point, like hacker school in New York. But um, through Women Who Code, you have all the time people trying to go back and learn new skills and see how they could maybe transition careers. So. I think boot camps are a really interesting and really powerful way to do that. Um, the part that is always the catch is with any new emerging way of teaching, you can kind of have like the really great resources and then kind of the scammy ones. So trying to figure out which is which can be a little bit difficult, but so far Iron Yard seems awesome to me. So I've been excited for them to come to DC and I can't wait to see the programs that they put on. So you say you, you handle, like you work with a lot of people or talk to a lot of people and women who code who are just, just getting started or transitioning. Like what sort of advice do you usually give them as someone from like an established professional or more, you know, traditional background? Yeah, I think the first is um, that I think people with CS degrees don't know as much as people say they do. Of course, you have the like top 5% who are complete rock stars and know everything and everybody's terrified of them. But for the most part, I would say, you know, your CS degree graduate is still like a normal human being. Um, they're not light years ahead of you. And the other part that I bring up is just, I mean, CS curriculum is pretty behind. Like there's just a ton of theory-based things in most programs um, that leave out a lot of the like real world implementation skills and like how to use these tools and how to do certain things um, in like agile ways. And the learning on your own can really, you can learn those skills much faster than people in college do often. And the other piece is just like, I don't think, I think a lot of computer science, it really just comes down to how well can you learn on your own. And that's something where it's like, as long as you can put in the effort and as long as you will work at this, I think that everybody can at least get some understanding of how coding works and like get that exposure. But it does come down to, I think the amount of hours you can put into it. Yeah, yeah. I like to try to tell people that like, once you get past the hurdle of knowing what questions to ask, all the answers are out there. And it's just, it's, you know, putting your butt in the chair and putting your hands yeah. on the keyboard. Yep. yep. <laughs> 
I always like to ask, like, what what gets you excited about technology, about how where we're headed, what's going forward? Ooh, I like this too. Um, I get excited about so many things. Um, <laughs> like the next hackathon. <laughs> yeah, generally the next hackathon. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I'm really passionate about is sort of social change, and I mean beyond making website, um, actually changing how people go about their lives and how they feel, do they feel satisfied in what they're working on or do they feel healthy and like they have access to the right networks for education, whatever that might be. Um, and I think we're just starting to look into the industries that can have that big impact on people's actual quality of life. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And I think that also is part of why I'm really excited to be in DC right now. I don't know if I'll live in DC forever, but um, DC has such an interesting makeup that's full of obviously all of the politicians and like the grimy stuff associated with DC. But it also has just a lot of very intelligent people who know intimately the problems that we have in our country and just might not have the technology skill or the resources to like fix those problems. So I'm super excited to kind of see DC get better in those areas and start solving those things that they understand so personally. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey and path in technology. like to be interviewed on Women's Tech Radio, you can email us at WTR at jupiterbroadcasting.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter at HeyWTR. Hey WTR. Hey WTR.